I was part of all this stuff that had never been done before. I'm proud of that. I feel really good about that. I knew what we were doing was very special, and I knew that we were the best. This week on Slice of Disney, remembering Disney legend Rolly Crump. Walt came up with the idea of a boat ride for children around the world. So basically it was his idea, and we all started developing it. The first thing I was assigned to do was to build the marquee, which is the Tower of the Four Winds. Now this is for the World's Fair. And Walt wanted to talk about the World's Fair. He wanted me in the show with him, with the, uh, the tower going with the propellers. Welcome to Slice of Disney, an awesome Disney theme park podcast. I am your host, Kelly Washington, Disney-obsessed enthusiast and real-life Tinkerbell. And I am your co-host, Will Lentz, occasional, rare, one-time, former Disney goer <laughs> and uh, real-life Super Mario brother. Oh, which one are you? Uh, I'm the third one, Will. <laughs> There's Mario, <laughs> Luigi, yeah. and, and Will. Will. <laughs> <laughs> the less talked about one. Uh, most of my games have been stuck in development, but uh, uh, we're, hoping, we're hoping one of them will come through. I thought you were just going to be Bowser. Yeah, yeah, Bowser would be good. You have Wario some like, real also good, Bowser but... energy. That's true. I do I, I do consider myself more of a Bowser. Yeah, I think it's because of Jack Black, mm -hmm, probably. Mm -hmm. um, so why, I'll lead you in, why are you Will the Mario brother? Because I, a couple of days ago, went to the Super Nintendo World uh, at Universal Studios in Hollywood, or I guess, yeah, close enough, Los Angeles, California. They say it's in Hollywood. Just for those who do not live in Los Angeles, it's actually in Universal City. Yeah. yeah. Uh, north of Hollywood. Right. And, but, but also south of North Hollywood. So it that's kind of <laughs> is in Hollywood, but also not really. Anyways, that's not the point. It's We're up on this logistics. like hill. It's, it, it's kind <laughs> of like by itself and it's very, very, very small. It is. It's very small in general. Um, but my sister and brother-in-law and their kids were in town, and my nephew is super big into Mario, uh, so we obviously had to go to the Super Nintendo World. Um, and all in all, I hadn't been to Universal in a really long time, even before uh, I hadn't been since they did the Harry Potter stuff, um, so it was all kind of new to me. Um, and it was fun, you know? It was spring break, so it was kind of crowded. Uh, super Nintendo World itself is like uh, two things one is very cool looking two very small um, is it that it's really small yeah uh like i will say like walking in they do a really great job of set design and like you're going through the big pipe and then like you walk through the castle and they've got a great framing on it so like all you can see is the world they have created that's very immersive and very cool um they had the little blocks around where you can like hit them and it makes the little coin sounds and, ah! uh, with the little bands that you can buy. And, uh, and it's cool. Um, there, they, I think only had one attraction. They had a couple things you could stand in line for, but um, their one attraction is the only one that a fast pass doesn't get you an express lane for. So it was like a two and a half hour wait if you want to do it. And we decided we would wait because uh, a six year old and a, and a 10 year old are not going to, they were not i mean they they wanted to do it abstractly and then we were like it's the length of a movie we'd be standing in line and they were like no way so yeah that's fair but i you know i think one of the things that universal does well i suppose is that um through that and disney does this too of course but throughout their queue lines like you're seeing more uh, immersive things. And so because we didn't wait in the two and a half hour line, we didn't go like up on the castle top. And there's like areas that we didn't really get to go look at, uh, which I think would have been cool. Um, but on the on the whole, I'm hopeful that this is like the start of what they want to do with Super Nintendo World. Yeah, um, Universal has definitely like took Disney and said, all right, guys, we after the pandemic, we're getting a lot more annual pass holders. They're like, we can have a competitive edge to this now. Yeah. What do we need to do? Because I know they have like headbands, aka ears. Yeah, and they were. Uh, I mean, there was there was a lot of that kind of stuff there. They, I mean, they have 
you know, I, if you, we ended up spending honestly more time in the Harry Potter world just because there was more to do. It's but like, so cool. Yeah. Seeing like, you know, my, my niece got one of the wands and so she was casting the spells in the different oh. areas and it was making things move. And like, yeah, I mean, they have a ways to go before it competes, but I think, you know, just even seeing like the amount of people that were there uh, and like the different, you know, types of people that were there because you have people that are super into the simpsons and you have you know people that are super into classic hollywood and like there's there's a lot there that i think they could do well um so i i had a good time i don't need to go back for another you know three to four years maybe but uh but it was cool i liked it and i bought a picture frame so oh nice yeah it's yeah it's really small it's nothing compared to florida for all the florida people out Mm -hmm. there like Mm -hmm. it's See, I, I'm excited then to go to Mario because one of the things that doesn't, like, I guess bothers me, but they can't help it, is, like, when you're in uh, Harry Potter area, you can see part of The Simpsons. And it kind of, yeah. like, takes you out of it, where yeah. I'm sure in Florida that's not a problem because you have sure. so much more space. Yeah. Um, we're here, it, it is. It's really tiny. And they utilize the space really well. Um, they do. I haven't I did, I, been since they changed Jurassic Park to Jurassic World. We did the Jurassic World ride. Uh, did you see me? Was I there? I did not see you. Dang, but, uh, you know, I shocking. was probably <laughs> I was probably trying to avoid uh, avoid it. Yeah, that's um, <laughs> the one, another ride that I did do too was the uh, the Harry Potter Hogwarts thing, where you're like, it's kind of one of those like screen ones, and you're like. You are yeah. on a, a thing and it's moving you around, but also the screen is moving. For and then like, oh, there's spiders and stuff like that. For Florida people, uh, it's the exact same ride that you guys have. Oh, gotcha. Cool. Good to know. And it was uh, it was fun. I, I did close my eyes during most of the spider stuff. Don't do well <laughs> with spiders. Uh, but on the whole, like even like the my young niece, she had a good time on it, too. Um, and it I was jerks like, this you, is, though. It felt pretty intense. Like I was. Yeah, the, definitely. Like if you're looking at the screen while it's moving you around, it can get very like it was nauseating in a couple of ways. Yeah, I it made me feel old last time I went on it because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my I feel a little churned. Like the kids seem to handle it better than the adults did, uh, <laughs> which I think is almost always the case with those types of rides. Yeah. Um, and real quick, because we got to discuss it. Uh, we can go into further detail for Patreon for sure. You saw the D and D movie. I've seen the D and D movie. That's true. Will and Will Mario brother loves D and D. This is true. Um, yeah, I had a good time with it. I yeah, we could do like a, a, a deeper review maybe on a Patreon. That could be fun. Um, on the whole, uh, I thought it was well done. I think um, you know, especially compared with the history of the Dungeons and Dragons movies, uh, it was so much better than all of those. Um, it was funny. I mean, I think you want to view it as a, almost a comedy first, um, and fantasy, like set in a fantasy world. Yeah. I thought the way that they represented some of the magic was really cool. And, um, you know, I think it maybe it could have been about 20 minutes shorter. I, I have some thoughts on like some I areas. Agree. It got cut, like slow but... in the middle for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think they wanted to just like show a lot of different things that I think like makes sense. But on the whole, I had a great time. Awesome. We'll talk about it more. Um, I sat next to the creator of Phineas and Ferb mm. uh, at this cool. s- this premiere screening thing. And he was telling me that apparently um, there was a D&D movie. Uh, he told me it was called, I can't remember. That was like a Lifetime movie starring Tom um, Hanks back in the day. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Me neither. Now I, I have to find it. That sounds fun. Okay, we'll I get would, into it. We'll yeah. get into it more there. But today we're actually, this is kind of a unique episode for us. Um, yeah. We love to review rides. We like to interview cool people. But we've never done an episode um, that's more of a biography of somebody. Yeah, but I thought this would be like, I mean, there's obviously a, you know, a specific reason why we wanted to talk about this person. But also, I think, you know. As we hear these names come up in uh, episode after episode of different uh, rides that were influenced by specific Imagineers or worked on by specific Imagineers, it can it can be kind of fun, I think, to figure out like where did this person come from and what was the breadth of their work. Who um, so, are they? Yeah. Yeah. So today we're going. Um, I'm I'm sure if you're a Disney person, you've heard uh, Rolly Crump passed away March twelfth, two thousand thirteen, and two thousand twenty three. 
I said 2013 when we were talking about it off air. And wow. then corrected myself. Weird. My, my, my brain listened, apparently. Yeah, yeah. We are not uh, in 2013. We are actually in 2023. That's right. Time has passed uh, since then. Um, yeah, and so we wanted to honor him. And unfortunately, you know, we didn't get to interview him. By the time we did this podcast, he was uh, getting older. Um, and if you've listened to our episode with Haley Claire, she talks about him and because he was close with her grandmother and some really fun stories there. So we're going to... We wanted to talk about Rolly. He's also always been one of the favorites of our uh, of our show. Um, I think in part because weird. of his unique name and because he's a unique person. Yep, and we're weird, and mm-hmm. we have true. very generic names. <laughs> we both That's have true. painfully generic names. <laughs> so we really just wish we could be Rolly. Exactly. To start out, there's a lot of people who say that words cannot really fully describe this designer and Imagineer. And so to get a handle on his spirit, multi-talented Disney designer, think Leonardo da Vinci's Universal Man. Mm. Oh, the guy with the... Yeah, with the different hands. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this... The Vitruvian Man or whatever. I I forget. This is like a voice medium. (laughs) We were doing hand motions. Yes, we were, but you couldn't see it. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. It's like the snow angel dude. Um, mm-hmm. So I love Rolly because of his art. He's like fascinating. I, his mind is so weird. And I watched, I don't even want to tell you how many hours of interviews and um, stuff to like prepare for this. And then I truly just because he seemed so wonderful. There was such like a shining light coming through the screen listening mm-hmm. to him. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, so let's get into it, shall we? Let's do it. Uh, he was born Roland Fargo Crump on February 27th, 1930 in Alhambra, California. Uh, and Crump was inspired to draw at age three, though he was never he would never really consider himself an illustrator. I think mm. especially comparing himself to a lot of the animators, he had just a crazy big imagination. And part of this he learned was he would come home from school and he was so excited to listen to the radio and he would put on the radio and he would just allow his imagination to go wild and create the pictures in his head. That's cool. Yeah. I feel like, you know, even in the, like the later conversations or the later things you hear from him, um, it always did feel like he, he had a lot of humility and a lot of like, I, I, that makes sense to me that he didn't consider himself an illustrator. He just is somebody that like, has interesting ideas and puts them down into different ways. Yeah. Um, And I think you see that throughout almost all of his influences. Humility is a word I would say felt strong from him, Mm -hmm. where some of the other Imagineers, you don't feel that humility, but we love them anyway. Um, (laughs) And so um, then what, once comic books started coming out, because he would listen to stuff like, I guess a lot of the superheroes had radio shows. Mm -hmm. um, And then they turned into comic books and um, comics themselves, like strip comics. And he would trace them. Um, He would trace uh, a bunch of characters from artists that he really admired. And he says that um, that's something that was common once he was coming up through Disney. He would talk to the other animators and illustrators and they all did the same thing growing up. That makes sense. Yeah. Way to to, to build those muscles. Yeah. Um, And so he drew um, with nothing more, honestly, than his high school portfolio because he never attended college. Now... That's one point. Now I'm going to say the exact opposite thing. He attended college at Cal Arts and studied art and animation. Uh, so he, he I, maybe didn't to begin with and then later went on or I don't know. That's interesting. I have no idea. I can't find a, it was, can't find a true record. That's interesting. No, I couldn't get anything. I'm going to lean towards he did not go to college and maybe took some classes at Cal Arts or something because that feels right. Um, Otherwise, I feel like it would be on Wikipedia. That's probably true. With that said, Wikipedia said that I went to Berkeley for a while, which, I mean, great. I'm very smart, sure. apparently. I yeah. I didn't correct Congratulations. it. <laughs> but I did not go to Berkeley. No one out there correct it. <laughs> no. I don't even know if it, I still have a Wikipedia. That's um, so funny. But so he may have gone to college. He may have not. But in the Christmas of 1952, there was a woman who came over to their house for Christmas time. And she worked at Disney Animation. Mm. 
And okay, obviously, like Rolly had always dreamed of working at Disney since he was a kid. And so it was like, how, how can I do? And she was like, I'll hook you up. Lo and behold, he gets an interview the next week and has an interview and his animation test. And he's offered a job. That what a great happenstance. Think of what would have happened had she not come over for for Christmas time. Christmas, yeah. Um, and he was offered a salary of a whopping thirty five dollars a week. That is, uh, I looked it up. Uh, I saw that in the notes. I looked it up. That is um, a little over eighteen hundred dollars a year. Uh, if you're to work every week, uh, sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't, um, which uh, equates to about $20,000 in salary uh, per Oof. year in today's dollars. Um, not a lot of money. That's rough. It is you could rough. not live in Los Angeles. You certainly, yeah, not not now you couldn't. Um, wow, that's, the immediately I was like, look, Disney never wanted to pay people. It's not like a new thing, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it seems that way. <laughs> um, and so when he was offered this job, at the time he was making twice as much as a dipper in a ceramic factory. And so he went home and was like, Mom, I, what do I do? I mean, I, I make so much more money mm-hmm. doing this. And his mom's like, you dummy, you've wanted to work at Disney your entire life. Yeah. Take the pay cut. Don't be yeah. stupid. And he's like, okay, okay. So he takes the job and he becomes an in-between artist. And... In order to afford to live uh, and work for his dream job, he did work on the weekends um, by building sewer manholes so he could afford to work at Disney. <laughs> well, he was doing that. Was he doing that for Disney sewer no. manholes? Or, okay, no. just, uh, wow, okay. <laughs> um, and he would make $40 in two days on the weekend. Oh, okay. So, so like, he would, yeah, he would make almost... Or he made double what he in two days than he did in the five days in he was week. working for Disney. I know. Crazy. I'm like yeah. that but then I and then I feel so like sad, you know, there's so many cast members and you know mm-hmm. like they're fighting to make like eighteen dollars an hour, which half of it's taken out in taxes anyway. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. Ugh, what are we gonna do? Um I guess just work harder than you could become this. Um <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Um, so he was assisting one of Walt's nine old men, Eric Larson. Do you now, know? this was the first I've heard of the nine old men. I think it's because we don't focus a lot on movies. We focus more on the theme mm. parks and mm-hmm. um, that kind of stuff. So the Disney's nine old men is a very well-known group of people who um, were at Walt Disney Productions. Like they were their core animators mm, who okay. came in. Um, some of them later became directors. Um some of them created some of the most famous cartoons like Snow White and the Seven Doors, um, onward all the way to The Rescuers. So that's 1937 to 1977. Um, and this is what Walt referred to them. He referred to them as Disney's nine old men. Like, he probably didn't use his name, but he the, they were the nine old men. I mean, he probably did use his name. Well, it's, it's and, Walt. Yeah, but everything that he says, like, even there was know, part I'm of the using. interview with Rolly. Rolly was like, hi, Mr. Disney. And he was like, it's never that. My name is Walt. Call me Walt. Sure. And he goes, okay, Mr. Walt. And he goes, no, <laughs> I'm Walt. Cute. Um, um, that's interesting. I didn't, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I kind of forget how that feels like such a long, like the, the beginning of of Disney being back in the early 1900s, but the same people that were working there then influenced or worked on things all the way up to the seventies. I think even like the eighties, like that's a, it's a long time, a long span for the nine old men to, to have that kind of big influence. It's a long time. And I, I think one of the things that I think about as, especially now that we're celebrating the Disney 100th and there's the stuff everywhere is like Disney really started the animation at all. You yeah. know, and that it's not that old. It's yeah a newer art form, if you think about it. Um, yeah. And so it's cool that these nine men were such uh, prolific people. I also like that they're artists. And then we went through a weird time in life where we're like going to be mad at men for being artistic. And then, but mm. here we praise. It's very confusing. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, And so uh, as the... Disney was delegating more tasks to the animation department. Um, Obviously, their scope got even bigger. Eric Larson was the last to retire from Disney. 
um, as his role of the animation consultant on Great Mouse Detective in 1986. That is a super long time. That's my birth year. That's your birth year? Yeah. Wow. I'm old. That's crazy. Yeah, don't tell anybody. <laughs> don't don't, don't tell. update my Wikipedia. I will. <laughs> will Mario, born in 1986. <laughs> um, I'm, now all of the members of this group have uh, passed away and are all Disney legends. Um, but back to Rolly. Mm-hmm. So Rolly was assisting Eric Larson and um, on 101 Dalmatians, mm-hmm. which we just watched and watched the scene. And after Eric had finished animating, I mean, all, most of it, but there was a scene where all the puppies are sitting around and watching TV with their parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Rolly, he it was like, all right, here we go. And Rolly's like, all right, what do I need to do? And he was so excited. Like he just wanted to work on anything he could. And he ended up having to animate all of the spots on all of the Dalmatians for that scene. That alone took six months. That's so eye-opening to me. I I know because they're like very unique spots. Um, yeah. And I think obviously really helps with making the that uh that style so um, significant. But like that, it takes that long just to do that one particular thing within that scene. Um, I mean, it really is like especially when you look at like now a movie can be like started and finished in like, you know, three months um, I mean, in, animation, in a way that is much lower quality. Yeah. Uh, it's just interesting. Animation always does take longer, but it's very clear why they went to computers. It's cheaper yeah. and a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, I told you that there's so little animation like this that they had to go and the guy who like created Bell or something. I'm forgetting which character was off the top of my head. Just I remember in a that, background yeah. rat on Encanto. Yeah, like, I remember that. That's yeah. crazy. I think it was Bell. I remember. I remember that. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so later, he um, was an assistant animator. He contributed to Peter Pan, Lady and the Tramp, 101 Dalmatians, Sleeping Beauty, and some more that aren't as popular. Um, and the 101 Dalmatians was one of the last things he did mm. at the Disney Studios. Now, like a lot of Imagineers, obviously he started there, but WED was becoming a thing, and we're going to thank propellers for this. Okay. So, Rolly likes to tell the story about how it all started with this pencil, and there's a visual of, like, the pencils framed in, like, a glass case, uh-huh. and I I was like, oh, you know, we all save, like, little parts of our work. Oh, yeah. Um, And so the... The way the pencil works is it's almost like a rectangular eraser at the top being held in by this metal clip. And um, apparently a guy he worked with like was coming around and he like took the metal piece out and he bent it and made a tiny little propeller and was playing with it. And Rolly's like, huh, that's really cool. So he decided to go home and make bigger ones and better ones and add strings and like different things hanging off of them. And he apparently went through like crazy amounts of pencils and figuring out what he could make turn just because he thought it was really cool that is cool and so one of his buddies came by and was like oh my gosh you should make an exhibit out of that because apparently um at the disney studios they had this library it wasn't like a big library but they had this Mm -hmm. library where you could go and make an exhibit if you wanted to of anything just anything yeah and so he was like oh okay so he made a little exhibit in the library and um, one day, while it was there, the librarian goes to Rolly and is like, hey, come here. Just so you know, like, Walt, like, loves your stuff. He's like, what? Walt's seen it? Um, and so, it feels yeah. like classic Rolly. Yeah. That's like, so funny. Oh, my God. And um, so, yeah, Walt apparently, like, had seen them, asked about it. Time moves on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and when Walt was trying to get people together for WED... There's all of these creative minds that he needed for the parks and for the World's Fair. And about, this is again a fact that I saw it was five years later, but then I also saw it was a year later. Okay. I think it's five years from when he started working with Disney at all. Sure. Um, Yeah, that makes sense because like 1952-ish to 1957, World's Fair time. Sure. Yeah. Um, And so... They needed some more creatives, free thinkers, and Ward Kimball suggested Rolly Crump, um, who Ward was another 
you know, animator. And mm. Walt's like, who's that? Like, <laughs> um, and actually he suggested Roland Crump. Oh, and sure. Walt's like, who's that? And he's like, oh, it's that kid who made the propellers. And he's like, oh, heck yeah, let's bring him over here. That That's sounds fun. great. He made weird things. So in 1959, well, I guess 52 to 59. Well, 52 is when he had that first uh, meeting. So like with uh, with the yeah. woman for Christmas. So if that's, then maybe it's really 53. So we're, we're, we're at least getting the, the years in the right spot. Yeah, we have that down. Did he go but, to college? Uh, we'll let we other don't people know. do the math. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so he, he joins Wet Enterprises. And um, when he began working there, um, Walt kept being like, what's his name? <laughs> um, and so Walt uh, likes coming up with nicknames for people. And he is the one who picked the name Rolly. Oh, neat. I started off as Roland. Then I was Owen for a while. And then I became Orland. But of course, I would answer to anything. Um, he said, but his crowning glory was when he would just call him, what's his name? But I, <laughs> I guess Rolly came from Walt and then that was the name that stuck throughout his entire life after that. That's cool. Yeah. I thought that what was a, cool. What a, what a cool way to get a nickname. Uh, like from a, from a cool person. I mean, like, right. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, and so when he started at WED, uh, his first project was going to be to build an Oz section in Disneyland. Did you even know there was supposed to be an Oz section? I certainly didn't. I Well, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> I, I didn't know that. Um, so I guess that Walt Disney owned all of the rights to the Oz books, except for The Wizard of Oz. And so, I know, which I didn't even know there were more Oz books. I think I knew that, but I definitely haven't read any of them. There's a ton. Yeah. And so uh, he wanted to build a whole Oz section of the theme park That'd and be cool. it would be called Ozland. And uh, Rolly's first job was to build a field of flowers that were propellers. He's got a brand in yep. Walt's mind. Yeah, That's he's great. gonna stick to it. Um, so he starts working on that. Then the World's Fair comes and we know how that goes down. Everyone mm -hmm. drop everything. This is what we focus on. Yeah. Um, and so Rolly had, you know, had built some things so far, but he says that this was one of his favorites, but then he also says he has no favorites. So. Uh, this World's Fair thing is definitely the thing that I first, like, th that first stood uh, Rolly out in my mind. Um, I would agree. We, a lot of other things too, but this one definitely is in my head. When we did the episode on It's a Small World, which was, you know, a long time ago, mm -hmm. this was a focus of it. So. He built the Tower of the Four Winds, a.k.a. the Small World Entrance at the World's Fair. Mm -hmm. He had built this beautiful, very delicate model. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was like, it's gorgeous. It was probably a couple feet tall, and they even show the model in The Wonderful World of Color. And Walt says, when you visit the fair, ask to meet your friends under the Tower of the Four Winds. He... It, it was going to be kind of a meeting place. It was going to be a an attraction of its own in a way. Yeah. So, well, uh, Rolly, you can like see him standing there in the little episode next to Walt. He's very proud of it. And then, of course, they have to build it. So um, they built this 120-foot mobile structure. But when they built it, you can't make something thin and delicate at 120 feet tall. Yeah, because you got to have the strength. Yeah, so it was thick, um, and Rolly hated it. Mm. He is famously repeated this story, I'm sure, a thousand times um, of Walt. They, they get there, and Walt says, well, what do you think, Rolly? And Rolly just looks at him and goes, it's a piece of crap. And well, it's like, no, it's not. And it can't be because I spent $250,000 of my own money on it. So it can't be a piece so of crap. So you better like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, he just, I think he had this like beautiful idea of what it would be. And he was so unhappy with it. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's still super amazing. Well, yeah, I do too. And I also think that like, that's part of what makes... Uh, what makes Rolly and and I'm sure a lot of these Imagineers, uh, but I think specifically Rolly so special is that like, you know, he 
is, while he may not have considered himself an illustrator, he's definitely an artist, right? Like, oh yeah, he has a vision that he wants to show, and if it's not what that is, it doesn't. The 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 idea that like it's still up in a great place where everybody's gonna see it and admire it, and like we spent a lot of money on it, that doesn't really factor into his head. Is his thing is like that's not what I wanted it to look like, so it's bad. Um, <laughs> which I think is what makes like that's what you that's what you want in someone that's gonna have like artistic influence within your company that's true that's yeah that's a very good point um yeah it was supposed to be you know this like walt says like boundless energy of youth you know it's supposed Mm -hmm. to have all this whimsy apparently some of the pieces fell off at the world's fair um which i didn't know um so and to back up a little bit while they're building this beautiful piece of art it's like they're working on the world's fair there was like one i'm about to say booth like section of the World's mm-hmm. Fair that hadn't been purchased yet. And Walt's like, we got it. I, 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 let's think of something. And they're all like, well, no, one, no. Like, <laughs> we're already spread so thin. And we're working on a robot, human, we're doing cars, like, and he's like, I wanna do a boat ride. And sure. they're like, a boat ride? Like, what? Mm-hmm. Um. Obviously, this became a huge fan favorite. It still is. Um. Rolly talks about even, you know, in recent years going to the parks so and just kind of like sitting outside of It's a Small World mm-hmm. and just seeing people come off so happy. He was like, I would just cry. It meant so much to me because this ride means so much and it is close to the original. They improved upon it, but yeah. um, and he does like all of the Disney characters added. I know some. And people... I mean, like he does like that, yes. you said. I feel like yeah, you gotta say that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think we, I think everyone probably gives uh, "It's a Small World" a tough time from time to time because it is because the song's so repetitive. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but if you think about it, like a lot of these rides are like derivative from IP, even like the you know Mr. Toads, even things like that, right? or they have a thrill component to it that really kind of drives it home. And like this, this is one that like, I mean, with the same, you know, Haunted Mansion, you can say the same thing about where it's like the, the experience itself is like the art. Right. And so like being able to create that um, and having it last from then to now is, you know, even if it is repetitive, uh, it's still a pretty, pretty uh, impressive feat. That's a really good point. And the three attractions we're focusing on that really had his hands in other things, but he definitely mm-hmm. had a lot of um, stuff stick out in three, and all three of them are original attractions. That's impressive. Yeah. He's got a long track record. And, you success. know, the, the Tower of the Four Winds, obviously very much so him, big deal, but he worked a lot on It's a Small World. He did set design, making toys. I guess they made over 200 toys in paper mache and um he worked on obviously the exterior even lighting like mm-hmm. he did so much for this attraction and i guess in the beginning it was just a couple of them and by the end they had 30 people working on it's a small world um and they were able to make the whole ride in nine months which is like insane yeah that and is. that's so fast yeah you can't do anything in nine months i can't do anything in nine months um, well, I guess make baby. Yeah. No, I mean, like I'm not having thing. a baby, yeah. but, no, that's, right. but that's the time frame. That's the other nine month <laughs> thing that everyone thinks about. Yeah. yeah you that created, and making a small world. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> which is about children. So it's really all the same. Sure. They said, yeah. if you're going to make a ride about children, it has to happen in nine <laughs> months. <laughs> everyone um, will be furious. <laughs> so obviously it's a small world. Great hit. Everybody was super happy with it. And when they you know, we're discussing bringing the attraction to Disneyland. All of the executives and vice presidents of the company were like, hey, we don't want to bring the tower back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which Rolly was ecstatic about because he didn't like yeah, it. Yeah, because he didn't like it. No. <laughs> and um, they all kind of had different reasons. It's too expensive. It's too hard to maintain. We have to worry if a propeller falls off and injures somebody or worse. I mean, yeah, that insurance alone there you go um not not good not good at all and so they brought like Rolly in and you know they're on their suits and he's just like chilling and um 
they were like, all right. So we're thinking, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. And they're like, great. So you'll tell Walt. And he's oh, no. like, what? Me? What? Me? And so, um, you know, Walt was known that he was like always very kind. And everybody talks about just like what a good guy he was, but he could get real grouchy, always rightfully mm-hmm. so. But like, I'm sure it was always rightfully so. <laughs> That's what they he say. He was never you know? wrong. Um, and so he goes and he he tells him, and Walt's kind of like, hmm. And he starts asking the different execs, what do you think? And they they kind of start like backing off of what their of points were. He's yeah. like, oh, is it because it's going to be too expensive to bring it back? And the guy, ah. No, no, it's probably fine. And, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. he, he could tell that Rolly was, like, put up to having to be the one to give the bad news. But, um, of course. Which he didn't really like. He doesn't like when people aren't real yeah, with him. I get that. Um, but he was like, all right, I get it. It's fine. Let's come up with something else, which ended up kind of this blessing, you know, because now we have the amazing backdrop with the huge... Um, face of the clock and yeah you know you have the the clock opens up and the little characters come out and you're like this is so good and that it's so iconic i disney world i'm so sorry is terrible you don't you don't oh, that's interesting it's just like a little entrance into an indoor yeah because i mean i feel like you can really see when you look at the tower and you look at like the the it's a small world like themes um you can really see ones inspired by the others yeah yeah um that's 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 all him and i I also think that him and mary blair Mm -hmm. uh we see so much of well she's so much in it's a small world and you know her art is featured in a lot of original places i always think of the contemporary hotel Mm -hmm. that big thing and you can see how they're both they have very clear artistic views um and i can see how they melded well for it's a small world yeah um all right, let's get to the good part. Yeah, I knew you were going to get here. Yes. So we've talked a lot about Rolly because of the haunted mansion and him mm-hmm. always walking to the beat of his own drum. He was a lot younger than a lot of the Imagineers, so he's always thinking outside the box. And um, in just in the way that like these vice presidents were like, you do it, you do it. He was a little bullied, too, by some of the mm. Imagineers. But Walt loved him and loved that he was weird. And sure. he was very much so a champion for him. He was probably his biggest champion. Um, so just a little refresher. Um, we're going to go back into the Haunted Mansion. We've dove in before. Uh, it was Rolly Crump and Yale Gracie that really teamed up to get what we have today. Um, mm-hmm. It was after the World's Fair. They came back. They'd already worked on some stuff, but now the two of them like really took over. Um, it was kind of known that Yale was the Geppetto. He was the mastermind putting everything together. And then Rolly was the one who would like expand the ideas, make them very creative, add a lot of humor. And uh, my favorite story is that they were on the second floor of the animation studio up in Burbank. Mm-hmm. And they had this huge room where they had a ton of their different, like, special effects, ghost effects, um, and all, you know, the guys coming out from under the gravestone. And uh, they the janitors had gone in to clean, and they had tripped the thing that made all the black lights start and all of the, you know, yeah, the special yeah, yeah. effects go off, and they, like freaked out dropped their broom and said they would never clean for them again Um, (laughs) i feel like i've we've heard that one before but it is it is funny to actually imagine being that janitor there uh it freaked me out too even if i you know (laughs) even if i knew what it was like if i even if i was just going through haunted mansion and it all turned on at the same time like i'm good i'm good i'm done (laughs) i'm not scared i'm just you know just being safe I, a lot of their ideas were happy accidents, I'm sure, like, discovering mm-hmm. things from how people reacted like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he, I think that for me, Rolly, he likes scary, weird, funny. And to me, that's what the Haunted Mansion is. Mm-hmm. That's why it's perfect, and it's the greatest yeah. ride of all time. <laughs> um, sure. So he had already been working on the Haunted Mansion for, like, three years, and he just felt like, the, what the other Imagineers were working on was just too cartoony. Mm-hmm. He didn't 
think it worked. And so, and this is again at the time when it's a walkthrough attraction. We are not at doom buggy points. Right, right, right. Um, and the idea was you would enter each room in the mansion for about three minutes. It would give you a lot of time to like look around, enjoy the surroundings. They did like full versions of this in sound stages and practiced it. And one of them, they wanted to like flood the room and unflood it by the time the next people came in. I mean, crazy stuff. Seems like a nightmare. Oh my gosh. Logistically, yes. Yeah. And operations freaked and was like, no, like we, yeah. we cannot do this. We don't know. And it, especially after it's a small world. That was a big game changer in general because they saw how many people they could yeah. get into an attraction at a time. I was going to say, yeah, that would be so slow if you're doing like three minutes in each room at a time. Like no one is going to be able to get through it all. No. Like, I mean, it's going to. Yeah, it, it would be rough. And he's but he still thinks like maybe that would have been a better version of Haunted Mansion. But maybe if you just have it on your own place and it's very limited as to who can come. But for a theme park, <laughs> yeah, you got to get those people park. turning through. It doesn't really work. Um mm. And so a lot of his ideas, though, ended up making it into the final version that we see. Um, it kind of, um, before I get to what is in it, you know of Museum of the Weird. We yes. have, we have do dove into it a little mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. bit into the... We talked about it, yeah. We did? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard for me sometimes to know what's just in my brain and what I've verbally yeah, well, talked about. Yeah. Um, so after the World's Fair, they get back and Rolly's like really dialed in on working on the Haunted Mansion. And he creates books, literal books of weird, ironic and dark drawings. He made like a melting candle man, mm -hmm. the seance room, talking chairs, like just the craziest stuff. And that was one of the things that they had the freedom to do at WED is like Walt was just like, yeah, go. I'm paying you to just like create. Yeah. Which is so cool. So cool. I would do anything for that to exist. It would, I don't know if there's a world where it could exist now, but I love it. And so they have this three hour meeting about the haunted mansion. Walt's like, all right, give me what you got. And they go through everything. Um, and all of the Imagineers and the vice presidents like kind of told Rolly, they're like this, whatever you've been wasting your time on, just like keep it in a corner over there because uh -huh. we don't want to see it. So after the three oh. hours, Poor Rolly. I know. Walt's like, and Walt, because Walt notices everything. Yeah, of course. He's very observant. And he says, hey, hey, what's what's all that over in that corner? And they're just like, oh, that's just Rolly's super weird stuff. We don't really know what's over there. Um, and Rolly was like, you know, thinking, we need more than ghosts here. Okay, there's got to be something bigger. Um, and so he goes over. And Walt's like, so so what is it? And he's like, just bunch of weird stuff. And he's like, really, weird this melty is... candle man. Yeah. And Rolly's like, this. Or Walt's like, really, this is really weird. And he's like, yeah, I know. And he's like, okay, <laughs> that's it. That's it. The meeting is over, and they're all like, see, Rolly, we told you it's way too weird. Mm -hmm. Next day, Rolly comes into the into the office at seven a.m. That's so early. Um, <laughs> I mean, I. I, I I have to get up that early for my work stuff these days, uh, but it's because everyone's on the East Coast, so yeah. Ah, well, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So Rolly comes in, and Walt is sitting in his chair in his office, wearing the same clothes he was the previous day. Mm. Rolly is totally freaked out. Yeah, I would imagine that would be yeah scary. And he goes, "You sob, I didn't get an ounce of sleep because of all your weird drawings." <laughs> And Rolly's like, oh, my God, I am so sorry. And he's like, no, 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 don't apologize. This is great. And I figured out what we're going to do with it. And Rolly's like, great, because I didn't know. You yeah, know? I just was doing weird stuff, man. Exactly. And Walt was like, and that's one of the things Walt was really good at. Hey, let your imaginations go wild. Now I'm going to figure out how to use it and mm -hmm. rein it in. That's great. So he goes, we're going to make the Museum of the Weird. Mm -hmm. And the idea was after the Haunted Mansion attraction, there's going to be another attraction and a walkthrough of this museum of all this weird, creepy stuff. Sounds great. I honestly would have loved to see it. Yeah, I'd love to walk through walk through Raleigh's mind. Oh, yeah. Raleigh's mind. Yeah. And um, now, of course, all the other Imagineers were like, see, man, I told you. Mm -hmm. Like, we knew Walt would love it. <laughs> Bullies everywhere. Um, and so 
now he's, you know, being brought back to talk on TV about the Haunted Mansion and this wacky museum they're making. And he's kind of like the interior designer of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, the idea you walk through, da da Unfortunately, after Walt passed and things changed and you have the doom buggies and all, the Museum of Weird was no more, but still kind of has, like, I feel like a cult following of people who really do love this idea. Yeah. Um, luckily, we did get a lot of the things in the Haunted Mansion. Um, Yell Gracie and, you know, him and Rolly seemed like they collaborated really, really well together. So um, the seance room is very much so him. Uh, the chair. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is like It feels like a lot of the stuff, you know, that he created found found a home somewhere or at least added like that extra layer of what was missing to the haunted mansion yeah um, beyond just the ghost sort of stuff and he says he's like i think the greatest thing about the haunted mansion is the illusions that's what really makes it and that's that's yale gracie but he added the creative artistic level to let us believe in these illusions in my opinion Mm -hmm. um one of the things that is probably the most iconic of the Haunted Mansion is the wallpaper, uh, is the right. purple wallpaper. And yeah. apparently Yale Gracie was like, hey, did you make this wallpaper? And Rolly's like, no, this isn't mine. Well, in all of his weird drawings, um, Tanya Norris was a designer and and she's the designer for the iconic purple wallpaper. She had seen all of these pictures and weird stuff of Rolly's weird chandeliers that he wanted to put in took the drawings and made it into the wallpaper. That's cool. Right? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, yeah. I think he's, it, yeah, clearly he's uh, a special talent that has a lot of um, ideas that he maybe doesn't know the best thing to do with. Uh, but if you have somebody that's got that, that unique perspective on the world, um, you get talented people around him and they find what to do with it. So that's very cool. I guess that is why wall is the leader because he's not necessarily the one who's coming up with the weird ideas, but he knows yeah. how to utilize them. Yeah. Uh, and Which is you, a talent. That is a talent where you have the weird, where you have the weird one who's like, mm-hmm. let me just let my mind go. And I love that. So I'm proud of myself for keeping it minimal, but there you go. I got to talk <laughs> about the Haunted Mansion. Um, <laughs> and next we're going to talk about the Tiki Room. Um, Which is another like thing that like I you know if I was trying to think of like the most chaotic uh, yeah. places you know I think it, this I I'm sure people that are listening are like that makes sense um, that he'd be influencing there too. The tiki room uh, from it's very funny. It's one of my best friends has like a major fear of it. I have a mm. video of her like crying because she was so scared because um, it is especially when like all the tiki's are going off and sure. the storm. Yeah. So. Um, Rolly apparently is kind of known as a god in tiki culture. Hmm. We got to learn more about tiki culture through Tiki Room, talking about even Club 33 and the start of that, um, and talking with our friends at Match Accessories. Right. So, you know, tiki's very surreal in the arts. You know, that's where he's good. So originally, a little refresher, the tiki room was supposed to be a restaurant where mechanical birds would all be talking to each other. And Walt's like, we can't have birds in the restaurant. And he's like, no, they're going to be fake. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, right. Cool, yeah. Uh, how are we going to do that? Well, now we're going to make all the Imagineers figure it out. Um, and so before the restaurant, they wanted he wanted like a pre-show where you'd have all these tikis tell stories. And so he said, Rolly, you do it. Of course. Of course. Figure it out. Yeah. So he goes to the library and he takes a bunch of books out on the islands and gods of the Pacific um, one of the books was called Whisper of the Winds. It cool. was written by a missionary um, who wrote down all of the myths and legends that they had come across. And this acted as his Bible. He seems to have known it very well and read it front to back many times. Um, because in some interviews in the that were done by people who love Tiki, it was like, it was like, well, I, I you know, I picked up those books that you had because you talked about them like. People take this very That's cool. seriously. That's cool. I love myths from different parts of the world too. So like, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that uh, the missionary like accurately uh, collected them. I also um, hope but I, so. Yeah. But I always love like hearing about that kind of stuff. Like, Do you have a culture love. in particular that you? 
Not really. I mean, I think I just hearing uh, almost anytime you get to see that sort of stuff, like the the uh, influences of, you know, I think there was a recent um, D&D book that came out with a lot of influences uh, from African cultures, uh, which I think was like, it's just a cool different perspective to how people like interact with the unknown and create these like uh, stories out of it, I think is very interesting. So. You have a lot of, you know, I, I feel like Greek and Roman are definitely the ones yeah. that I know more of. Um, but we get his first ever sculpture is someone that we do know because of Disney um, Maui. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because of Moana, for me, at mm -hmm. least. That's my introduction. Yeah, same. Um, and so he's reading all of these things. He's getting really into it. He seemed to be very passionate about this. But he did say, you know, when they asked, what's your favorite? thing you've ever worked on he's like all of it because he Rolly was so passionate that these were all his babies and so the minute oh, yeah. he would get into it it's like I'm sure it's kind of how you look at your D&D campaigns you know yeah you care for them and you get yeah. really into them yeah and spend hundred dollar on baby figurines um yeah well I mean a uh, gift cards hundred dollars okay. of gift cards okay <laughs> and of my own money I'm sure I would have done either way so. <laughs> yeah there's the truth mm -hmm. um so he goes um, to Blaine Gibson, the master mm -hmm. sculptor. Do you remember him? I remember that name. I'm trying to remember what he did. We talk about him a lot during the Hall of Presidents because... Oh, uh, okay. Okay, sure. He sculpted almost all the presidents up to, I think, Bush? I don't. I, uh, I'm I drawing think, a blank on that specific, which is uh, usually I'm good with that. but uh, I, th I think it was then... Um, but, oh my God, you obviously if you've seen it these sculptures are incredible yeah so Rolly goes hey blaine i i need you to he really wants these tiki's can you sculpt them and blaine's like no i am way too busy i do not have time you know and Rolly's like okay uh well what do i do well it wants them and blaine's like you you do it <laughs> <laughs> he had never sculpted in his life sure of course but He's here like, we right. are um, and so he ends up doing it and he sculpts 80% of what you see in the Tiki room. Wow. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Crazy. That actually makes me want to go back, uh, because I do feel like I like Rolly. It'd be cool to like yeah, really sit in there with him. I tried to go this past time and it was packed. Not because I think people wanted to go see Rolly, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I think because it was spring break and it's very crowded. That makes um, sense. But I, me too, I, I did go and I was checking out the Maui little statue and it, mm -hmm. it has like a water feature and everything. And I'm like, of course, like it, yeah. you feel so much of his artistic vision um, in cool. the smallest things. Apparently his making these sculptures started by him using a plastic fork from the commissary to like, <gasps> of course, that was his tool that he was using. I'm like, this is crazy. It's always so fascinating that, 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 you know, artists find ways to make things uh, like it, truly. I mean, it's it, it, you're seeing like a theme throughout here with with all of his stuff. But it's just like there's something that needs to be created and he's going to find a way to create it. He Yeah, he never seemed to let fear or mm -hmm. um, lack of knowledge or experience stop him. Or really making I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure I'm sure there's instances of this being the other way around but it feels like he also didn't make things necessarily for other people uh it was like oh i'm making like i need to create art in this space then i'm going to create art in this space that's cool um not because i need to be like well what are the people gonna like it's just like no i just i'm making the thing that is in my head i got really emotional working on this because i found it so inspiring and just like mm -hmm. a good reminder we there's so much more today that we get distracted by, you know, yeah. especially with social media people, you know, there's just everything news, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I definitely am one of those people who lets fear get in my way a lot. Yeah. It's hard not to. And listening to him, it was like, yeah, like, why not just go for it? There's so many things that it did. It made me very emotional and, oh, and, nice. and having artistic freedom. Yeah. In yeah. general, like that's such a gift. Yeah. Um, really uh, so then he leaves Disney. Um, <laughs> what a Wait, segue. Does he? Yeah. 
Okay. I was like, I don't, I don't remember how this, <laughs> that's so funny. Okay. Tell me about it. No. So <laughs> there was literally no, I was like, I'm going to be emotional. Yeah. Back into the notes here. Uh, <laughs> um, so he contributed a lot to the early designs of Magic Kingdom. Um, and he worked on NBC's Disney on Parade in 1970 before he decided to leave Disney and work on some outside projects. I think that a lot of his stuff he is contributing. He is not the lead in creating things. And mm -hmm. I think he, these are all my assumptions. This has not been said, um, wanted to have more artistic power. Sure. And so going to a couple other places and, you know, he clearly was passionate about Disney, but I think he's just passionate about creating. So he ended up doing projects for Bush Gardens, the ABC Wildlife Preserve in Maryland, Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus. Um, in 1975, Knott's Berry Farm opened Knott's Berry Tales, like, rawr, like a bear. Oh, okay. Um, a dark ride designed, um, that he designed. And I think he was very proud of it. Um, Is it still around? I have no idea. I've never I've, been to Knott's Berry Farm. I've been a couple times and I enjoyed myself. Let's find out if it's still there. Uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a look at that. Uh, it looks like they... It looks like it closed in 1986, but they have opened a uh, a new one called Knott's Berry Tales Return to the Fair. Um, yeah, in 2021. So pretty oh, new still. Yeah. Very new. And it seems like Raleigh, uh, Raleigh was involved in that too. Oh, cute. Yeah. Well, he seems to have his hands everywhere, so... Um, he did return to Disney in 1976 to work on Land of Wonders of Life Pavilion at Epcot. Now, one of the things, he worked a lot on Epcot mm -hmm. and it's so clear. Like now that I know what I know, I'm like, oh, sure. obviously that was him. Yeah. Um, he did leave again in 1981 to design the Custod Ocean Center in Norfolk, Virginia, where my aunt used to live. Nice. Um, just for her. Uh, and then he set up his own <laughs> business, the Mariposa Design Group, where he did projects um, in Las Vegas, which was, there was like a show at the Golden Nugget he designed. Mm. Um, I watched an interview where he talks a lot about the work he did in Vegas. Um, and then finally, in 1992, he returned as the executive designer of Imagineering to work on Epcot. And one of the things that I is so clear is in the land pavilion which is a very cool shape and there's all of the there's like some hot air balloon art at the center of it hmm. now it doesn't even like say that he definitely did that but knowing he worked on the land i was like yes that's him yeah i mean i think he's got such a such a unique style that makes sense that you can kind of pick some of that stuff out and again like it's it's cool to see like the stuff that he designed 70 years ago uh is still pretty prominent so yeah it's so out of the box that i don't think it could ever be trendy yeah it doesn't that, that come in helpful, and, it doesn't, it doesn't come in out of style yeah yeah um, it's just unique it's just weird yeah uh and he did he retired from disney in 1996 and he published an autobiography called it's kind of a cute story oh in 2012 nice we should read that. Um, I I listened to a little of it and mm -hmm. enjoyed it. He does have such a wonderful story and has such a positive outlook that mm -hmm. I would love to read it. It is really cool to see. Uh, maybe this is just because it doesn't feel like this happens quite as much anymore, but maybe it still does. Uh, I'm just not reading the right autobiographies. But to see somebody that went from like just kind of having their craft very early on and then getting like kind of like uh put through an accelerator uh that is like disney and just like letting them grow and flourish and then going on to be successful in other areas too but still kind of coming back um really you know that that kind of a uh, dedication to the craft can go a lot of different ways. Um, but seeing him be so successful because people recognize that in him uh, is very cool. I agree. Yeah. I To kind of sum him up, um, which I think kind of goes based on what you were saying and just how he honed in his craft and starting from like a pretty normal story. 
It's yeah. not that he was the best. You know, he didn't burn out after high school because, you know, of being pushed too hard. His art was, like, very good, but it's not like he was, like, the savant. Right. Um, Just unique and, like, we all are, you know, and just actually getting to use his voice. But um, he learned, he said, from Walt a lot, obviously. Oh, yeah. But one of the big things that he learned, and he's always took with him, especially when doing his own thing, was seeing the big picture. Like, Walt always saw the big picture. And there, you know, there always is one. And honestly, he said that most of the time when they would start projects, and this story in general um, makes this very true, they honestly had no idea what they were doing. Yeah, it does seem that way. <laughs> they would just start and just go for it. And a lesson, you know, that I think we can all learn, like I said of five minutes ago, just do it. Yeah. There's clearly no fear in anything they were doing. Um, and so yeah, now... Yeah, he really wasn't, you know, it didn't seem like very early on thinking about like, all right, if I do this, then what do I do with it? It's like, no, I just need to do this. And just so do I'm it. Keep doing it. Yeah. And then I'll figure it out later. And yeah. so much of life happens that way. We, But we put so much pressure on ourselves. Mm-hmm. To figure it out now. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Oh, see, it has like this very emotional story it to does. it. Yeah. Um, and so now when you're walking through the parks um, and you see the carriage outside the Haunted Mansion or 80% of the Tiki Room sculptures <laughs> or the bazaar across from the Tiki Room or the amazing, incredible facade in front of the small world, you're getting to see the art of Rolly. That's so nice. Thank yeah. You for, uh... Thanks for doing this uh, kind of different one. I think, uh, like I said, we've always, you know, his name is so interesting. I think when you first hear about uh, Imagineers, you're like, oh, what's this guy's deal? And then the more that you learn about him, the more you're like, oh, he's unique in a lot of ways. And obviously, I mean, I think that's probably a great way to look at it, too. Like, he is unique. And uh, Walt found something kind of special to do with the uniqueness and gave him the name, just as he did with a lot of, like, his works and uh, kind of helped helped him become somebody that we can appreciate uh, in a way that we probably never would have, so. Not stifling his art. Exactly. Letting it flourish. Yay, yeah, and I also like that he left Disney for a little bit. We love yeah. Disney, but it's cool that then his stuff isn't just there. We have, Yeah. we got some Rolly all over the place. Yeah, makes me want to check out the uh, Knott's Berry Farm ones just to see see his influence as well. I think uh, Knott's Berry is really cheap to go to. Okay. That could be a fun little uh, excursion. Yes, and there's boysenberries. Okay, great. I think that's their love, thing. Love a berry. Love a berry. <laughs> um, well, yeah, that's great. I mean, we obviously the uh, the normal questions probably don't make as much sense here. Um, What's your favorite role attraction? Haunted Mansion. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what would you change? Uh, that he was still around. Yeah. There... <laughs> uh, so um, It's 10 minutes yes. before you're leaving the parks. <laughs> Do you, Do you say hi, say to, hi him? to him? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, but it was nice to do this kind of thing. And I think it'd be interesting to do this for other Imagineers as well. Um, you know, oh, just yeah, to really sure. see sort of how I think, you know, Mary Blair is uh, someone that I'm also interested in uh, because I think that she held such a unique space in that, um, in that boys club too for some time. So, boys club. Yeah. 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 Yes, I agree. I like, I like what there's ladies. Um, yeah. We love the ladies. More ladies, please. Um, even though right now we're focusing on a, a dude. Uh, <laughs> he, he has a window. He's a legend. So yeah. obviously of great importance. And um, his window ceremony is really sweet. And Is that online? Yeah, you can watch it. And you can just tell that he's genuinely so grateful. Um, and, and loves the Disney community and what it's created. And that that makes me happy. It's the re- nice. he is a perfect example of what I love about Disney. Yeah, that's great. So thank uh, you guys for coming on this journey with us. I yeah. hope I hope it inspired you as much as it did myself. Yeah, and I mean I know it's uh, it's a little bit of a different type take, but uh, but yeah, I think it's it's cool to get to hear like the the full story. Um, and you know, I agree. It, it, it can be inspiring, not just to like believe in your own art, but also to be like, Oh, who was the person behind this thing that I also have a great appreciation for? And, and how can I uh, get to know them in that way too? So 
Yeah. Happiness. Happiness. Okay. Happiness. <laughs> it's a good day. It it's is. gonna be a great day. Um, we're recording in the morning, so we still have a full day ahead of us. We do. Um, we do. Thank you again for listening, and um, we'll have we have some more coming for you. Um, Let us know, you know, what uh, Imagineers you'd like to hear more about in the future. Uh, you can do that by finding us online at sliceofdisney.com. Uh, our socials, slice uh, underscore of underscore Disney on Twitter and slice of Disney on Facebook and Instagram. And um, you can email us at sliceofdisneypod at gmail.com. And you can find all of this on sliceofdisney.com. Everything is there, including the episodes themselves. Um, also, um, in terms of social media, making some short term, short term, some uh, short form videos, uh, breaking down some of the history and stuff we talk about here. If there's one you want me to do, let me know because I yeah. like getting to speed fact too about it. So yeah. reach out to us. Uh, we're thankful for you. Thank you so much to our Patreon members for supporting us so that we can continue doing this and um, having fun and enjoying movie nights and stuff with us. Yeah, and it's like especially cool to see like the stuff, you know, in the 101 Dalmatian scene, and then immediately learning about it. Uh, it's very cool. Yeah, nerding out. See, facts are fun. <laughs> Go to school, kids. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, we hope that you have a wonderful and wacky week, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. <laughs>